Hello and welcome to the Chichester Festival Theatre Podcast. We'll be chatting through everything from Festival 2018 to the backstage crew and beyond. I'm George Bailey and I will be your host for this series. Joining me will be a whole bunch of incredible guests in interviews, chats and other fun segments. So sit back, relax and enjoy what we have in store for you. Each year since 2003, our youth theatre have taken centre stage at Christmas on the main festival theatre stage with their renowned Christmas productions, often with large ensembles of between 60 to 100 CFYT members. This year's production is Sleeping Beauty, but everything is not quite as it seems. It's a darker, funnier version of the original story by Charles Perrault and is directed by Lucy Betts, who is an ex-youth theatre member from a fair few years ago. In this episode, we'll be interviewing the writer, Rufus Norris, the director, Lucy Betts, and some of the cast to tell us more about this production of Sleeping Beauty. Starting with Rufus Norris, the director of the National Theatre, interviewed by Lucinda Morrison. So how did the... It was originally done at the Young Vic in 2002, yeah. Rufus. How did this version of Sleeping Beauty come about? It started with... There, there was a whole string. There was a great tradition for a while under Tim Supple at the Young Vic. It started with Grim Tales and, and then it went on from there and there were there was um, the Jungle Book and it, 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 every Christmas the Young Vic did these family shows which were not a panto, they were, they were in, a, in a way uh, uh, a kind of more storytelling version of, of, of that tradition and they were very successful. Uh, and when David Land took over he was interested in, in obviously how that tradition might be evolved. And I became his associate director quite early on, and we got into various conversations about about those family shows and what they could be. And he asked me to think about it, and I and I thought of a few ideas. And I said probably four or five times, what we need to do is to find a story like Sleeping Beauty that has a pre-Disney version, which is really strong. You know, like if you look at the Charles Perrault version of the Sleeping Beauty mm. in the Woods. That's what we need to find. And, and eventually, David said, why do you keep on saying the same thing? Why don't we just do that? So that's where it, where it started from. And I went away and worked up a first draft, or the beginnings of a first draft. The, the story of Sleeping Beauty, the Disney story of Sleeping Beauty, is, is in a sense the first half of the story. This is what happens to Beauty, and she falls asleep, and she, you know, she's cursed by a fairy, and she falls asleep. In the Charles Perrault version, which is written in, I think, 1760 or something like that, the second half of it is that is that it all plays out, the first half plays out, Beauty wakes up by a prince, and the prince happens to be half-ogre, and his mother is an ogress, so when they go back with the children, uh, she wants to eat the children, and so uh, Beauty is thrust into this terrible nightmare, and is really only saved when her husband, Prince, uh, returns from the errand that he's been sent off on by his mother. So once she's saved twice by the same Prince, uh, and she's also saved by the clerk of the kitchen, who is the, who is the servant with a conscience, who looks after the, the Queen, the Ogress. So for me, the challenge with looking at the Perrault and, and really breaking the back of, of how to tell this story was to was to link them because with that first half and second half the only person who is in both halves is the is beauty mm. and she's asleep for most of the first half uh, or for a lot of the first half and she's totally 
uh, she, ta- she has no agency. She doesn't take action. So it's not really a story. It's two stories linked by a sleeping person. And what I managed to do, and w- the, 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 this is the heart, the adaptation is to link the two by making the, making the central character the, good, uh, the bad fairy, mm. who starts as a good fairy. Uh, so you make her the person who grants yeah. king and queen their child. And then because of, uh, because of their behaviour and her temper ends up cursing the child and then has to bring about this strong prince who's going to be able to battle the thorns which she herself has created. So it's, so it's really putting somebody in a classic narrative situation of somebody does something, you know, they take action uh, and then they, that action leads to a load of consequences which culminate in them coming up against themselves. This is basic story structure. And there isn't really any way that I could find of making beauty the centre of that. But it but it, it worked for me for making the fairy the centre of that. So Goody, the character of Goody is was your one your one sort of major invention. Yeah, really. Yeah. The, 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 the the serious intervention into the Charles Perrow is to link three of the characters that are in there, which yes. are basically the good fairy, the bad fairy, mm. and the clerk of the kitchen. Mm. You make them one character. Mm. And then on top of that, you change lots of intentions. In the Perrault, the, the ogress is just a bad, a bad person. She wants to eat the children, and she sends off her son, hoping that he'll get killed in battle. But from a dramatic point of view, if you're an ogre pretending to be a human, and you have not chosen to be in that situation, which is another imposition by me, then, then, you, then you are given the mother of all dilemmas, which is, I want to eat my child. Then you, you put the, the ogress in a, in a position where that becomes a three-dimensional rounded character. What, what emerges actually is a very clear binary world of order and chaos. The order that Beauty's parents live in, but Goody, who's a fairy, is totally comfortable in chaos. There's also another character, which is the other ogre, yeah. that comes into it yeah. because you've got to have the ogre in its pure chaotic form to balance with the ogre in its in its armoured form. So the ogress is chaos masquerading as order and and the environment of the ogress, which is the castle, is it, it is literally a castle. It is it is something that is armoured against the world. So you've got order, chaos, and chaos masquerading as order, and that's where things have to go wrong. And in the end, the person who's been brought up, surrounded by order, which is beauty, has to go into chaos to resolve things. So she's got to go back into the forest mm. to sort of, to take action into her own hands. So it, it became the sort of gift that keeps giving, in a sense, mm. by mm. taking that that primary intervention, everything else started to follow from it. Yeah. Well, that's all fascinating. It throws, throws up two things. I mean, I think one is, as people have pointed out, this, what's wonderful about, about your adaptation is it's so multi-layered. Was it something also in your mind to, you know, to balance all that, to bear in mind that a significant part of the audience were going to be children? And so you have the fairy who, you know, who farts all the time and it's, it's done with a very light touch. Yeah. I mean, again, I think it's formed from content, really. Some of the lyrics in, you know, Just Say No, for example. You know, I've got a whole other set of lyrics. Uh, it all rhymes with Asian, you know, um, never try decapitation or your mother's medication, etc. W- one of them, de- w- one of them, which is a, a demonic incantation, I think was was suggested by my then five-year-old. And, and he also 
got very cross with me because there were a load of other lyrics like Never Get Lost at Ealing Broadway Station <coughs> were ones that he insisted that I put into the show so uh, which, which I didn't my point <laughs> is is that I was surrounded by the audience at home it's got to be funny the great thing about doing family shows is that is that that audience will not let you get away with anything if they're bored then they switch off mm. and then you as a theatre maker have got to change what you're doing so a lot of the humor, it was constantly rewritten and a lot of the humour yeah. came out of the actors playing it. I mean, some of the, you know, some of the stuff, The Table Slave, was almost entirely created by Duncan Wisby, right. who is a comic. Just to find out that obviously um, at, at Chichester it's being done by our brilliant youth theatre and we always give the Christmas show to a youth theatre and it's been directed by Lucy Betts who was herself a member of the youth theatre all the way through her youth. And you famously started your career at a youth theatre. Yeah. And I, so I just wondered if you could say something about just how important youth theatre was in your life and how important youth theatres are in general. We know that we're all different, we're all unique, we're all on some sort of spectrum somewhere. Practice, for me, is every inch as important as theory. And I think for a lot of people it's much more important because creative self-expression or the confidence that comes with it, the, commu the community that you build through it, the shared discipline, interdependency, all of these things are incredible life skills, particularly going into the period that we're going into. And this country now more than ever has depended on initiative and creativity to, to give us an edge in a world where we, do, we often don't have other edges. So, uh, so anything that supports that is great. For me, the Swan New Theatre in Worcester, yes, it was it was a great social centre, but but because of the quality of the direction, particularly from or well, the leadership, John Doyle, who who then went on to become a very successful director, and Richard Socket were the people who ran that, but they but they <coughs> they insisted on on taking the work seriously, and what we got out of it as a result was a huge amount of self confidence. And also a really a, a, a real knowledge of, of what it is to rely on other people and how much more powerful shared achievement is. Uh, a, a, fl a flock of geese flies 70% further than individual geese. That's just the fact. So, yeah, that youth theatre um, was, was a foundation. Now, I come from, a, I come from an artistic family. My, my parents weren't artists, but there was a lot of music in our house. But the youth theatre for me and all of the people that I was there with, you know, absolutely uh, cemented that. And for those that didn't have that, it gave them, it it really gave them community and confidence, um, in a way that that I can't overexpress. Now a lot of those people, most of them did didn't go into the arts, and I am still in that youth theatre, trying to you know trying to make shows with my mates. That's I just stayed there. So it's completely brilliant that the youth theatre in Chichester are, are given the opportunity. It's sort of amazing, really, that you go, actually, you're, you're, if we empower you enough to go, not only can you do the show, you've got to do it for a much longer run than you would normally get the opportunity, and we're going to charge people proper tickets, yeah. and we're going to advertise it like it's effectively coming out of the, the, you know, the professional mm. company. All of those people will leave that experience you know a foot taller than they than they went into it and even if none of them go into the theatre or never go to the theatre again it doesn't matter because their ability to deal with the obstacles that life throws at them or you know to think their way out of a box or to know that actually pressure sometimes it you know helps you perform at your best it's all of those things are those those things were invaluable so um 
Yeah, I'm. I'm. I couldn't couldn't be more delighted that this group is doing the show. I can't wait to see it. Thank you very very much, Rufus. Thank you. So joining me now is Lucy Betts and her assistant director Hannah Hock, who is also the youth theatre officer at CFT. Hello to you both. Hello. Hello. How are you both doing? Pretty good. Yeah, good, thank you. Good. So Sleeping Beauty, this version, uh, it's not the version that everyone can expect, is it? So it's not like all like Disney-fied and, and happy ever after that kind of thing? No, it's not. It's, it's based on the original fairy story by Charles Perrault, who was a, a, a French writer. And it's still got elements of the traditional and, and what maybe people expect, but it, it's got a really lovely, silly twist to it as well, hasn't it? Yeah. So talk us a bit through about the characters. So um, I know that there's some very different characters to what people might expect um, from sort of like the Disney version that everyone knows and loves. Talk us a bit about then creating those characters with the young people as well. So the, I think the, the main difference is the fairy who puts the spell on Sleeping Beauty. She's actually a really lovely little character, isn't she, yeah. called Goody. And um, she just acts on impulse and is really angry and that's why she puts the spell and then she works so hard to kind of protect her and set it right again and tries to redeem herself so that in a respect is very different and then there's the ogress as well who is the the prince's mother and she is certainly not in the disney disney version of it um and goody helps her um and i think what's interesting is that every character is sort of flawed in a way No one is perfect in that kind of Disney sense. Everyone has faults and, and, and real feelings. And that's been a real joy to explore with the young people through lots of character workshops and um, just playing. We've just had a lot of fun. Yeah. Loads of fun. Mm. And how collaborative has it been? Have you let them have a lot of sort of input about what they can do? It's been so collaborative. We've taken ideas... We've worked on movement. It's very much a, a production that they can really claim as their own, which is how I work and I know that Hannah yeah, works definitely. and certainly the whole team, actually. It, it's all about giving them ownership of it, which has been really wonderful to see. What has both of your experiences been like so far in the process? Has it been what you expected? I don't know what I expected, but it has been, it's been really fun. I've learned a lot um, and it's been nice to work with Lucy um, and to work with someone different because obviously we work very closely here at the theatre with each other so it's nice to have someone come from outside and learn new skills from that person. Yeah, I don't think I, I knew what to expect at all and, I, you know, I didn't know anyone from the creative team coming in. I'd never met any of them. So it's so lucky that everyone works in a very similar way. Yeah. Everyone has a... a a fantastic ethos everyone puts the young people first mm. and we've all worked together to create something that that we think is really special um so can you talk us through the rehearsal process a bit so where do you start with the production of this scale and what kind of approach do you take in structuring the rehearsals i mean it's it's such a bizarre and weird and wonderful story i always like to think of everything as a game it's about finding the game in everything whether that's playing with the, the idea of the forest creatures and who they are 
or um, how the slaves interact with each other. But kind of interspersed with that are our workshops on, on character and not just blocking, but who they are, why they're there, where they came from. Give them a real sense of identity, especially the, the ensemble characters that I think are so strong and have such a, a keen sense of, of who they are and, and how important they are. Um, for me, it's it's about finding the fun and the play and everything, yeah. even in the the really emotional moments. So I can imagine there's been quite a lot of like laughs and rehearsals. What has been the funniest moment or that top three funniest moments <laughs> from rehearsals? Oh. I don't know if there is. I don't know if I can claim a top three. Yeah. I think it's nice that we can all have such a laugh in rehearsals. Yet when it comes down to working, it like mm. we have that very clear balance of. Now we're working, now we're having fun kind of thing. I honestly don't think we could choose three funniest moments because we laugh every single rehearsal. I think it's important to laugh at at the process and what's going on because it creates a relaxed atmosphere. And it means that people feel happy to just kind of put themselves out there and really experiment. So they've got to have laughter in a rehearsal room. And they don't feel embarrassed to... Because getting up in front of the whole cast and blocking your scene is probably quite daunting. Mm. Whereas if we do have a laugh about it, I think it's a more relaxed atmosphere for them. So, Lucy, you were in the youth theatre here for many years, and you were actually in the first show that was staged on the main festival theatre stage, weren't you? Is that right? I was, that is correct. Wizard of Oz. It was the Wizard of Oz. What did you play in Wizard of Oz? I was... A tree. Oh, lovely. The Good best news. darn tree in the forest. You were the best darn tree in the forest. And that was directed by the now director of Learning Education Participation Department here at Chichester, Dale. Um, and now here you are, directing your own Christmas production of CFT. I mean, that's a journey. How has that jump been uh, from being sort of... You're in the same environment, but you're in a completely different role on the other side of it. I think because I had... I mean, I left the youth theatre when I was 20, and I'm now in my 30s. So there's been 12 years of change in, in my life and also change for the youth theatre. It's such a different thing to what it was then. I mean, it was it was big then, but it's, I mean, it's huge now. It's over the whole county. So um, it was just a real joy coming back and seeing some familiar faces and meeting new people and, and kind of seeing where it had gone as an entity because it was such a huge part of my life. I was in the youth theatre for 13 years, you know, and it... It was my childhood. I'd, I'd spend summers and Christmases at the theatre, whether that was in the Minerva or the main stage, or when we you know, had promenade productions outside. Um, and all my friends that I feel are my family come from the youth theatre, even now. So it's been really, really surreal coming back and directing a production, knowing how much it meant to me as a young person. I think for me, that's what is special about this youth theatre is that those young people absolutely come first and their experience is certainly for, for, for me and for Hannah, I know, and, and the rest of the team is, is absolutely the priority. It's what they learn and what they gain from it. And knowing that this, this is going to be a memory that they have mm. when they're in their 30s and beyond, um, it's just really cool, it's really special. It's nice to see them all come together because quite a lot of them didn't know each other at the beginning. And it's nice now, just as we're about to go into shows, that they are this little family and you can see all these new friendships and they might be what you're like now with your group of youth that makes in like 12 years' time. Absolutely. Really cool. Yeah, and you can see those friendships. It, it's mm, so, definitely. it's brilliant. To be in a youth theatre and get a, a main stage show at Chichester Festival Theatre is massive. Mm. And youth theatres around the country would 
they borrow and steal anything they could mm. to, to get that chance. But they know how lucky they are and they take it so seriously. Mm. What is it like transitioning between leading youth theatre sessions and sort of doing that on a weekly basis and then going to directing the same kids in productions? Do you have a different approach to both? I think it's nice to be able to work with... Because obviously when you do youth theatre, you only see them once a week and it's quite nice to see them more often and really create those relationships with those young people and for them to feel comfortable around you, I think is really important. So I don't know if, I don't think I take a different approach with them at all. I think I'm very much the same in youth theatre as what I'm in rehearsals. I think the only difference is when you're in youth theatre sessions, it's a certain age group. Yeah. Whereas in rehearsals, you'll have 11-year-olds and you'll have... 22 year olds so it's it's about making sure that you're speaking to everyone and and approaching it in in an appropriate way yeah I think that's that's the only difference really because you you treat them the same you give them the same freedom to create and explore as you would in a session it's just ever so slightly more structured in in that you have a script and you have an end goal and finally so to sum up if you had to describe Sleeping Beauty, in three words, what would they be? You can either have three words each, or you can split them up between them. <laughs> I was just about to say, Sleeping Beauty, <laughs> exclamation mark. <laughs> I think it's naughty. I think it's heartfelt. Charming? Charming. I like bonkers. <laughs> Thank you both so much for joining me today. It's been lovely speaking to you both. And I hope the rest of the rehearsals and the run goes incredibly well for the both of you. Thank you very much. So, joining me now, I've got two members of the Sleeping Beauty cast here with me. I've got Megan Bewley, who's playing the Ogress, and I've got Harry Carter, who's playing the Ogre. Hello to you both. Hello. Hello. Harry, I know this is your first Christmas production, which is say. Yeah. Um, and Megan, this is your second now? Is yes. that right? Or third? Se- second Christmas. Second Christmas. And then you've both worked on other projects, like yeah. uh, NT Connections and all that. Yeah. So. Yeah. With that in mind, what has your experience been like on Sleeping Beauty? It's been like really nice to have something to really commit to just because I think it shows you how, it almost kind of shows you how many hours are on a day because you just, if you're really like dedicating yourself to something, it's really nice. And then obviously seeing at the end is really rewarding. It's a lot different to smaller projects because we rehearse for months, which is great because we've got the time to refine stuff and develop character and stuff. Yeah, it's just nice to have that build up and then you have the week for tech and then obviously two weeks production, so it's really nice, you just take your time. And it is mad, like, getting to perform that festival to the stage every night, like, are you excited about doing it? Yeah, it's crazy, I mean, like, it's the, it's so mad when you see everything, like, when you see everyone in costume and stuff, it's, like, it's unreal, like, it really comes to life then. Mm. Mm. It's really weird watching a production here, so say you watched The Midnight Gang or Flowers from Miss Harris, then you're like, I'm going to be on that stage, <laughs> it's really bizarre. Yeah, it's really um, bizarre. But... Yeah, I'm really excited. So within your parts, you have you share the role with someone else. Have you got quite a good relationship with the other person you're working with? And do you sort of like help each other out with like characterisation and stuff? I'm quite good mates with my other half. So he's, we, well, not other half. Right. <laughs> um, you know what I mean. Um, yeah, we, we, we're always kind of like helping each other. Like even like if it's getting out of our fat suit and stuff, it's like down to that sort of stuff. It's really good to kind of have that kind of relationship and say, to kind of share it with someone else is quite mm-hmm. nice. It's and not as daunting. Yeah, like, exactly. You're, yeah. you're with that person all the time and you're always 
making sure you're, you're going over lines together and it's just really nice to have it's like a partnership it's it's really lovely and so in terms of like being in the room and over the last few how many how many months rehearsals you have now nearly three I nearly think. three yeah and so like looking at that rehearsal process and stuff has it been really collaborative with Lucy as like a sort of new director how has that process been in like developing your character in the room it's so lovely to have someone completely different and who works differently and I think it's just nice for us because I, I want to work in theatre and it's just nice to know that people work differently and then that helps you because you've adapted to how people work and and it's just a really really lovely environment because a lot of people are new in the room as well. With Lucy as well, she's really great at kind of like helping us build up our characters. Mm. She's done a lot of, we spent a lot of sessions just kind of focusing on our character. Mm. Whereas I've not actually done that before really, we've just kind of rehearsed scenes and they've kind of liked what you've done or whatever and then they've kind of just kind of moved on. But with this, it's been really focused on like building up the way you walk, the way you talk, everything. So it's really good. Mm. And because we've had a lot of rehearsals this year and the show is a a bit shorter than previous shows that means we've had more time so once it's blocked we can have the time to go over characters and also just figure things out what is our character's favorite meal or where have they been prior to this or who's their family like the audience might not know that but we know that mm. and she's made that really important to us and i've really enjoyed that um so we sort of already touched on this but how is it working in the midst of like a large ensemble like with because what there's 60 60 of you mm-hmm. yeah do you get to meet a lot of people that you wouldn't usually sort of yeah like obviously um because as well the great thing with this show is there's like a huge age range so you get to meet people from that are like 23 to like i don't know how the young the yeah like, people 11, are, 12, like 11 so. so it's really nice to have that variety mm-hmm. of people because each character brings something special to the show and it's really lovely to work with each other and Lucy's made us really feel involved in terms of like movement because when there is a big group of us on stage, it's lovely that we get to think of stuff, especially in rehearsals, we've been able to think of movement and what we think the character would be, so what we think a slave would be or a forest creature is really nice. Tell us about your characters in Sleep Beauty and their place in the story. Well, the ogre, if you had to say there's a villain in the play, he'd be probably the villain. He's kind of been tricked by the fairy Goody in the play. So for most of the play, he's hunting Goody. He's, he's, quite, he's quite a fun character to play because I've never played anything like him before. Like the costume, so, so cool. It's because we have to wear these massive shoes and it's, it's really like fun to do. He's really loud and kind of just doesn't care. He just kind of destroys everything in his path almost. Uh, yeah, I played the ogress and... She is the prince's mother. She sort of transformed herself, or tried to transform herself into a human, um, so she can live a normal life. So she meets Goody, and Goody sort of helps her because she wants to eat her baby. She's an ogre, so she has exactly the same urges as an ogre, but she doesn't want to be an ogre. And the play sort of progresses of her looking after her son really and she really does love him so when beauty comes into the picture it she doesn't like it let's say that mm. and it's just so fun to play and me and me and harry have a very similar costume like we wear these big boots and it's just been so fun to get into the character and so what is your favorite part of the show and what's been the best thing about rehearsals if you had like a favorite moment i really love seeing the ensemble moments so like when all the forest creatures are on stage when all the slaves are on stage because it just 
it creates so much depth in a scene and it's really lovely when there's lots of movement or lots of things going on and it just feels really fun to watch yeah. it's really nice especially the opening number that's like probably one of the best examples of it it's really lovely to watch yeah I'd say mine's kind of similar to yours just like seeing everyone you know it's, it's been a, it's been quite a long time now since we first auditioned and stuff so we can kind of it's really nice to just see how we've come from there because obviously we have come a long way mm. and it's really nice to see the end product, product. So finally, could you give us three words to sum up Sleeping Beauty? You can either have three each or you can split it up between you. I just think we'll split it up. <laughs> Fantastic. Bonkers. Crazy. No? No, I thought of that, but it's not, not, not feeling that. <laughs> not feeling that. What's like a really nice English word to sum it off with? Immersive. Immersive. The verdict's out. Um, thank you both so much for joining me today. It's been lovely chatting to you both. Uh, Sleeping Beauty runs from the 15th to the 30th of December in the Festival Theatre. We have a relaxed performance on the matinee of Sunday 30th of December, so we hope to welcome you for that. I hope the run goes spectacularly well for you both, um, and all the best with it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. You have been listening to the Chichester Festival Theatre podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, Please do like and rate our series on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud, or leave us a comment on our Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening.